From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Tim Desher, and this is Heritage Explains Live. Well, it's that time of year. It's actually the worst time of year for me, John, when I was back in school. It's going back to school after summer break has ended. But this year, in 2022, we are faced with a completely new ball game around the country. Parents have come awake to what their children are being taught. We're talking critical race theory, woke ideology, boys using girls' bathrooms, and vice versa. But as parents come awake... They're pushing back. And on this episode of Heritage Explains Live, we're joined by Kaylee McGee-White. She's a commentary writer and deputy editor of Restoring America at the Washington Examiner. Kaylee is an ace on this subject, as we like to say, and she is poised to take your questions and cast a vision for how parents can continue to be empowered for their child's choice in schools. Well, Heritage Explains is live here in Washington, D.C. and around the world, wherever you are watching. Welcome to you. A lot's happening, as usual, as we do this. Uh, we like to use this platform to take the issues of the day, cut through the noise. You won't find hype here. You're only going to find solid policy solutions and responses to the challenges of our day with maybe a few lighthearted vibes. I'm told that that is what the people want, Kaylee. So we're just gonna stick with the lighthearted vibes and solid policy solutions. But now with kids heading back to school, we wanted to do a roundup of where things stand with parents being empowered all over America to take the reins of their children's education, demanding more choice and less woke, my name is Tim Desher, and joining me today is my friend Kaylee McGee White. Is it McGee White or is it is it Kaylee White? Yeah, I've been wondering this. It's Kaylee McGee White. Kaylee you know, McGee White got married, couldn't figure out what to do with the last name, so just decided to have two. You put it, you put it in the middle. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a good move. That's a good move. Okay, that's that's. A, did, did you forfeit a middle name, or did you not have a middle name? You know, technically, legally, I haven't even changed my name yet because Got that it. would require me to go into the Social Security office, which I'm very reluctant to do. And so. that's a whole other episode <laughs> in general that I'm sure we could get into. The bureaucracy. Into. The bureaucracy, exactly. <laughs> anyway, folks, she's a commentary writer and the deputy editor of Restoring America at the estimable Washington Examiner newspaper outlet news online. You can find all of her work there. Again, Kaylee, it's so good to have you. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. Well, folks, we know you are streaming from all over, and you have questions, we know. You have comments, we know. And uh, we, we're live. So if you type them in to wherever you're watching, chances are we will get to it. We want to hear from you. That's how this show, this thing works, whether you're on Rumble or YouTube or Getter or Facebook, wherever you are. We love you. Thank you for being here. And uh, we're going to track questions on the iPad. So, Kaylee, as kids head back, as kids are going, I hated going back to school. They are going back to school now after summer break. 
it's we're kind of faced with a completely different game around the country. Parents have come awake to what their children are being taught, critical race theory, uh, woke ideology, you know, boys using girls' bathrooms and vice versa. We're hearing all these stories around the country. Um, you know, and uh, you know, you could be canceled if you disagree with it, if you speak out against it. As you cover this issue, it's hard to ignore that the game seems to be changing all over the all over the country. Give us a roundup, cast a vision for why 2022 is different than other years previously. Yeah, so I think, you know, 2022 is different for two reasons. The first in education is actually more academic. Um, Post-COVID and post-school closures, their learning losses that students have suffered as a result have set them back years. And so academic scores across the public education system in the country have fallen significantly to the point where the average eighth grader in California has the reading level of about a fifth grade student. That's how bad things are. And so that's one thing to be on the lookout for is whether students are going to be able to recover some of those things that they lost during the pandemic as they go back to school this year. Mm-hmm. And the second thing, um, as you mentioned, is the woke curricula that parents have discovered in their kids' education. And this was something that they also discovered from the COVID pandemic when they were listening in on their on their students' Zoom pandemic classes. Um, and what we've discovered with research since is that uh, you know toxic ideologies like critical race theory or gender ideology are commonplace in basically every single public school in the country. I think you would be hard pressed to find a school system at this point, even in red states like Florida and like Texas, where this is not a thing that is happening because it's become so entrenched in the institutions and it's made its way into the education system as a result. That's really good, Kaylee. I, I'm, I'm, as, as we continue to talk through this, I want to continue to bring it back to empowering parents because really now is the time. Now is the time to build on these gains that we're seeing, that we, we came alive, we came awake, basically. And I'm wondering, can you just go through... You know, you, you talk about what they witnessed. They talk, you talk about what they heard their kids being taught. You talk about how they're responding to it. What are some of the opportunities that, that we're seeing across the country for parents to look for in their schools? Obviously, the woke thing and, and, and critical race here. But, but go into that just a little bit more, the opportunities. Yeah, so across the country, across the country we've seen an explosion in, in school choice policies, whether that's education savings accounts, voucher programs, um, school of choice policies within school districts that allow parents to send their students to a better performing school within that same district. So there's a lot of variety there. And then you also just had a massive exit from the public education system with parents opting to send their children to private schools or charter schools um, or even to homeschool them um, in micro schools and homeschooling pods and that sort of stuff. So the, the real difference is that parents are much more in tune with the educational opportunities out there and they're also much more willing to demand for more of them now that they're aware of them. Hmm. Um, folks, we're taking your questions live. Type them in there, get them in. Chances are we'll get to them. I've got the handy dandy iPad here and we'll make sure we track with them. Kaylee is poised and ready to take them and we will uh, do that together. One thing that I wanted to ask you about this, um, when you talk about the school 
choice thing. We have a saying that that is that is you know tossed around the movement quite a bit, conservative movement a bit, which is you know money should follow the student, should follow the child. Put that in context for people. I don't think people fully understand what that means when money follows a student versus just goes to you know a district kind of a thing. Yeah, so the status quo right now is that you as a taxpayer are going to pay your taxes and a certain uh, amount of those taxes is going to be allotted to the public education system. Right. Regardless of whether you actually send your kids to the public school, you still have to pay for that public school education. The entire point of school choice and the idea behind funding students instead of systems is to give families more of a say over where their education tax dollars go. Hmm. So education savings accounts in particular give students a certain set amount per year um, in order to put towards the education of their choice, whether that's homeschooling materials, whether that's a private education, uh, a charter school, parents have a lot of leeway over how to spend that money. Hmm. And that means that they're also not wasting, you know, tens of thousands of dollars per year on a public education um, that's failing them. Yeah. And we actually have a, 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 a viewer on Facebook who kind of piggybacked on this or kind of got into where our heads were. Arizona just made it so families can apply for their taxpayer dollars so that they can follow their student wherever they want to be. Does that mean anywhere like public schools that most couldn't afford? Yeah, Arizona's is the most expansive school choice initiative in the country. Um, they have made it so that every single student, regardless of income, regardless of background, is eligible for a set amount per month if their families choose to apply for that education wow. savings account program. And I believe the amount is somewhere close to about $7,000 per year per student. So that makes a significant difference for families who are looking to get their kids out of the public education system. And it's also financially smarter. Uh, research actually shows that when you empower families to have more of a say over their tax dollars, the state actually benefits financially as a result instead of just pouring thousands upon thousands of dollars into the public education system. Yeah, it's, 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 it's such a interesting concept that we sometimes just forget that people may not under, truly understand the opportunity that exists with school choice. It is for us. It is not for government. And I wanted to, first of all, just say we have a, we have a, a YouTube viewer that is right on board with us. Challenge school boards and vote out unions. We feel that sentiment here, Kaylee, I think. Uh, we have a, uh, a, a viewer on Getter. It's their first time watching live stream. Hey, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. We know that Getter is a great uh, outlet for us here. A lot of you watch on Getter, so thank you for being here. Um, Joanne on Facebook, stay positive. Uh, and encouraging for your kiddos. Yes, school choice, please, with an American flag. Look at that. Awesome. You know, yep. this, is, this is exactly right, folks. Thank you for, uh, for contributing here. Uh, and then also another user on Facebook, and I want to just keep doing this, folks, because we are live, and if you type it in, we want to make sure we acknowledge it and get to it. Until the government is kicked out of education, liberal loons will use it as their own private indoctrination. What a good pivot, because that is exactly what our children have learned. You know, if, 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 if we were home and we had, maybe we were uh, roommates with a teacher and they were on Zoom, we heard what they, we heard what was being taught. Parents heard what their kids were saying. You mentioned that earlier. Um, just go a little bit more. Go, give us a little bit more in terms of the indoctrination angle that we can now push back against because of school choice. 
Yeah, so I mean, education is obviously the most powerful policy tool that we have, which is why the left has focused on it so much. Um, and, and they do see the public education system as a way to sort of fit their ideology um, into the system and program it into kids and their families. One of the issues that I track very closely is gender ideology um, or this idea that, you know, a boy can identify as a girl or vice versa. And that is an, a really alarming um, situation that has really popped up over the past five years or so to the point where now most public schools actually have policies allowing boys to identify as girls to use girls' restrooms, regardless of whether the parents are okay with that. Um, a lot of schools also have policies where they will socially transition a child behind his parents' back, um, referring to you know their son by his preferred female pronouns without the parent's consent, even changing school document forms to reflect his preferred female name. There's all sorts of stuff going on um, really under the radar. And empowering families to be able to leave an education system that wants to keep them in the dark is the solution to a toxic ideology like that. Yeah, I, I keep thinking about this. You know, one of the big... Um, seminal moments of school choice, empowering parents, parents coming alive to this notion that the public school may not be in their best interest as it currently stands, was when Terry McAuliffe um, mentioned that parents don't have, uh, shouldn't have a right to have a say in what their kids are learning. And I think that, um, you know, I, first of all, I, I definitely think that's not true, but I want to hear from you. What is your response when you hear the left talk about parents not having a right to do that? Well, the obvious response is that they're not your kids. They are the parents' kids. They belong to the families. Um, and, but, you know, Terry McAuliffe really does believe that, and so do mm. most Democrats, so do most leftists. He was just brave enough to actually say it out loud, and he lost as a result. Mm. But that is how most of them feel. Um, you know, the founder of the public education system model as we know it actually said something quite similar, where he actually said that parents should consider the public education system as one in which they give over their children to the government. Yeah. Um, and former Education Secretary Betsy DeVos has written quite a lot about this and about how the entire model is predicated on, you know, keeping students as hostages from their families and training them up to be what the government wants them to be versus what the families want them to be. Hmm. Yeah. Well, folks, we are uh, live here again, taking your questions and comments. Trevor is on Facebook. Trevor, how you doing, man? Thanks so much for watching. Trevor says parents should get together and group homeschool. Children cannot be entrusted to these political bias and sexual predatory teachers unions. This is a big, this is a big one. I mean, we saw this during the pandemic with these education pods. We did an episode on Heritage Explains and, you know, I don't have kids, so I'm not really hip to all the cool innovation that happened through this. But I mean, you know, grouping together is a huge thing now that a lot of people are doing. Yeah. It, I mean, even in DC, I've heard of multiple groups that have popped up um, in the Capitol Hill area and other neighborhoods. And you know, homeschooling is a pretty daunting idea, right? Especially if you're a working parent who doesn't have time um, to focus specifically just on the education of your child. Yeah. But what these pods do, these homeschooling groups, is they allow families to sort of share the burden. Mm. Um, and also they allow, you know, 
your children to be a part of a communal environment similar to what they would get in a traditional school environment. Mm -hmm. So it's a very appealing um, thing for many reasons. Yeah, no kidding. That's it, it's it's a, it's and it's again it's innovation that if enabled, you know, if if folks had that money that follows their child, they could put it toward that. They could do that, and states are doing that all across the country. Michelle on Facebook. Uh, do you think it's time to dismantle the Department of Education? Yes. The, the time was 20 years ago, further back than that. Yeah. <laughs> the time was a long time ago. As soon ago. as it was made, it was time yeah, to dismantle. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, user on Getter, a school that violates parental rights on medical interventions should be sued immediately. I, I mean, I feel so strongly about the danger that is being perpetuated and is being spun by folks on the left who are you know, saying that it's compassionate, that, that we should be supportive of this. And we don't actually, we, we, you know, we have guidance counselors. We have people in places of leadership in schools who encourage children to do this stuff, the medical intervention thing, you know, changing from a boy to a girl, puberty blockers, that kind of a thing. It's very dangerous. It is. And, and you know, my encouragement to parents is to be aware of, um, you know, the talking points that proponents of gender ideology, whether they're school officials or other, you know, activists are going to come at you with. Because a lot of parents are confronted suddenly with the, the you know, information that their child is identifying as a gender different than his sex. And a lot of them simply don't know how to respond to that because they're immediately told by school officials, guidance counselors, um, doctors even, that if they do not affirm their child's chosen identity, their child will commit suicide. And that's a lie, it's not true. Um, but it, you know, the entire point is to scare parents into submission and to force them to accept something that isn't true. Yeah, well, it, first of all, folks, thank you so much. We're getting it in all of what you're saying, we're seeing it, thank you so much. One thing though that I wanted to pivot to, and this is so important because I, I like to talk about the fact that more money in public education per student, we talk about how, oh, oh, you know, things are bad in Detroit. We just need more money. We just need more money so we can help programs, things like that. Well, um, we, we, our friends in the Empire Center um, have a uh, study, $28,000, over $28,000 per student, yet their national assessment of education progress, that's the, I guess the gold standard for testing students and making sure we're seeing where they are. Uh, it's middling and slowly falling further down. That is huge, because I mean, over $28,000 per student, that's the most in the country, and that's New York City. I mean, it can't, it can't be a spending thing, it has to be a culture thing, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, Another great example is during COVID when all of these public school districts received um, you know, thousands upon thousands of dollars of new COVID aid, yeah. and yet where has that money gone? What has it done? Uh, students' learning losses are still just as grievous as they were yeah. during the pandemic. It hasn't made an ounce of a difference. And in a lot of these inner city schools like in New York or Detroit, reading mathematics scores are abysmal and it's not because of a lack of funding. They're often the most well-funded schools in their states. So it's not that. Um, it, it is a much deeper problem within the education system. Yeah, Chauncey on Facebook, and this is a good one because I know we're talking a lot about at home, but also we know that the fight is also on college campuses, Kaylee. Uh, Chauncey on Facebook, how do you make sure that college education departments aren't indoctrinating teachers? 
Yeah, well, I, you know, this is actually an <laughs> important one, point. Johnson, it, yeah. it is an important Huge. point because students and parents aren't the only ones affected um, really negatively by the current education system. Teachers are also held back by a lot of bureaucratic red tape where they're actually forced to take you know, however many teaching seminars, um, a lot of them have to get graduate degrees when they're completely unnecessary. <laughs> and they're, you know, those education, the higher education serves as a sort of vessel for them to be trained in things like critical race theory and gender ideology. Um, so that is actually one part of the reform that I would like to see happen as well. Let's mm. give school choice to teachers or a sort of education choice where we're lowering the standards, not because we want teachers to be bad at educating children, but because it's actually not that difficult to be a good teacher and we shouldn't pretend otherwise. Yeah. We have another question on Getter, and, and, and you may know this and, and you may not know this, but I think it's important as we continue to think about pushing back, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, which says, are you aware of any lawsuits against schools that violate parents' rights? Um, you know, maybe it's with the gender thing. Maybe it's, you know, like this is where people are thinking now. Yeah, I, I do know of um, at least one mom down in Florida who filed a lawsuit against her school district for socially transitioning her daughter behind her back. Um, and this was in Florida. And this was granted before Florida passed its parental rights bill. Right. Um, but even that, uh, you know, my warning to families is even states' rights bills like that aren't necessarily the safeguard that you think that they are, um, because a lot of this guidance is coming down from the federal government. Um, so the Biden administration's Title IX guidance, for example, actually deputizes teachers to override parental prerogatives on a lot of these things. And if it comes to the hmm. point where there's a clash between a state law and the federal government guidance, the federal government is going to claim that its guidance takes precedent over that state law. Right. So ultimately, it's going to have to be figured out by the courts. But, you know, this is happening in every single state across the country. That's incredible. Uh, Dan is in Wisconsin. Dan, welcome. Thanks for being here and watching. Gerald is in Kentucky. Paul from Hillsborough, Missouri. Y'all are welcome. Thank you for watching. Thank you for being with us. I wanted to, to kind of pivot here to more uh, of an offensive uh, posture. We know the pushback is here, and we've been talking about it. But I think that the pushback might be some of the most important stuff here. So talk a little bit about more of the pushback. Is it passing school choice legislation? How can parents who aren't necessarily in office or the, the policymakers, how can they push back? Yeah, so I think the, the most success that we're going to have at combating the education system um, as an entity is by passing school choice reform. Yeah. And I think it's extremely important for parents to be involved in their schools, whether it's a public school or a private school. Um, get involved with your local school board meetings. Find ways to hold these officials accountable. But ultimately, school choice has to be the first step because everything else flows from there. Because unless you have a way for families to leave the education system, there's never going to be any true accountability. Giving families the financial power to leave a system that is failing them creates a sort of competition in the education system where schools actually have to start paying attention to parents' needs and desires if they want to hold on to their funding. And that's the entire point of school choice. Yeah, it's incredible. You know, we at, at Heritage have been tracking sort of the, the, the progress that has been happening throughout the country in terms of school board races. I mean, you don't think about it much, but I mean, there's a lot of people out there 
running for school board that never even thought about it. I mean, we alone Heritage is now, you know, we offer a newly elected school board member training program. We had over 600 people in our inaugural course for it. And we had to turn, you know, we had to turn people away because we just had so much interest in it. That to me seems like some pretty hard pushback. Education, activation. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, I mean, it, school boards are one of those things, right, where Three years ago, no one cared who got elected to their local school board. Yeah. No one was really paying attention to what they were doing. But now parents are really in tune. Um, and, you know, local pushback is what's going to change the system ultimately. Uh, so it's really important for parents to get involved in their children's education and politically as well. well Kaylee, you are rocking this issue. All that you're doing over the Examiner and with Restore America, this campaign is so great. And, and I think your voice is, um, is really contributing here. And, and, and as we partner, continue to partner together here, I think, it's, um, I think it's really going to have an impact on our children and on our future and the future of this nation and this country. And folks, I want you to, uh, to, to understand that Kaylee here is taking time away from her desk, not writing columns. She is here at Heritage to do this so we can connect with you. And Kaylee, I just wanted to thank you for coming all the way over here to, to do that. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, and folks, thank you for your questions. Thank you for contributing all your opinions, everything like that. We, you know, we kind of do this in a short way. Um, you know, if, uh, if we've covered it, we've covered it. We can turn the cameras off, and if we miss something, we can turn them back on. So stay tuned, folks, because you never know when we're going live, and we'll catch you next time on Heritage Explains Live. And that's it for this episode of Heritage Explains Live. Thank you so much, folks, for listening. Let us know what you think of this. You know, we've been doing it for a few months now, and we want to make sure that we're tracking with you, the audience. If you've got some thoughts, got some opinions, shoot us an email at managingeditor@heritage.org. You can also leave us a comment wherever you listen. And also, don't forget to hit that five-star like button. That is really, really important because it really helps grow the reach of Heritage Explains. Thank you so much, folks, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by John Pop.